Welcome back to Lily's Field Journal. I'm your host, Lily Thigpen, and if this is your first time listening, welcome. I'm a student at Mississippi State University majoring in wildlife fisheries and aquaculture, conservation biology. I'm so sorry that this episode is late, but life and school have been keeping me extra busy. However, I'm so excited for the fifth episode of Lily's Field Journal. This episode is dedicated to my grandmother. She has listened to every episode so far, and she's given me the best feedback, so I really want to take the time to appreciate her. I love you, Meemaw. The subject of this episode is songbirds. Well, specifically, it's about the blue jay and the mysterious epidemic that hit songbirds this past summer along the east coast of the United States. Blue jays are beautiful blue, gray, and black songbirds with a mohawk-like tuft on their head called a crest. That either stands tall or lays flat depending on their mood. Technically, blue jays aren't actually blue. That is, their feathers are actually brown, but they have modified cells on the surface of their feathers that scatter light to make them seem blue to the naked eye. Blue jays' scientific name is Cyanocida cristata. They are native to the United States, and chances are if you live east of California, you have seen a blue jay. They prefer mixed wood and deciduous forest areas, especially where there are beaches and oaks. Like most songbirds, blue jays eat mealworms, small fruits, nuts, and seeds. They are also important regulators for populations of harmful insects, such as tent caterpillar. Blue jays have also been known to eat eggs of other bird species, but this makes up less than 1% of their diet. Blue jays have many distinct and beautiful calls, and they often mimic hawks in the wild and humans and cats in captivity. So the first call that you heard is the normal call for blue jays, and the second call was the whisper song, and then the third call is the juvenile bird call. Blue jays mate for life. As part of their courtship ritual, males and females will build partial nests on the ground or in shrubs before they make an effort to make their main nest higher up. Blue jay nests are made of small twigs, lichen, moss, Grass, paper, and the insides are lined with a layer of mud and softer materials such as feathers or roots. They lay four to five eggs per clutch. The eggs are incubated for 16 to 18 days, and the young usually leave the nest 21 days after hatching. Blue jays are one of many species that were affected by a mysterious illness that swept the east coast of the United States. I was in the office on my lunch break on July 15th. And like the nerd I am, I was looking at the science news for the day. I saw an article from National Geographic entitled, What We Know About the Mystery Bird Death Crisis on the East Coast. Normally, I would just be intrigued, but after reading that title, I was also a little panicked. We had been casually monitoring bluebirds, but if this illness reached Tennessee, our team needed to look more closely. I clicked on the article and began to read, relieved when I learned the illness did not reach as far as where we were in Tennessee. Still, now it had my attention, 
I love mysteries. This illness mainly affected the neurology of young birds, but some older birds were also affected. It affects European starlings, blue jays, American robins, Carolina wrens, gray catbirds, house sparrows, northern cardinals, northern flickers, and a few other species. The affected birds would exhibit crusty eyes, lethargy, confusion, and tremors. Researchers and rehabbers quickly tested these birds for avian influenza and West Nile, which usually caused the crusty eyes or the neurological issues, but in this case, the birds had both. But nothing came back positive. Like, no avian influenza and West Nile, none of it came back positive. As cases in some eastern states went down, the illness spread to other states further west, reaching as far as Ohio and the Mid-Atlantic region. A widespread theory was that the disease was caused by an emerging cicada brood. Cicadas can easily be affected by a white fungus, and many speculate that those affected cicadas somehow infected these birds. However, there are a few problems with that theory. How did the disease become so widespread if few cicadas were affected by the white fungus? Why wouldn't researchers find traces of the fungus when they tested affected birds? Furthermore, the disease persisted even after cicada population swindled and in areas where there were no cicadas at all. Another theory is that the disease is an emerging bacterial disease. They tested for viral pathogens and the disease seems to not be viral. And many toxins have also been ruled out too. Researchers keep testing and nothing is coming back positive, so it must be unknown, right? With so many unanswered questions, why hasn't more research been done? This disease struck in the height of summer and then tapered off once colder weather came. Specimens sent to labs were often in bad condition after being in the summer heat. Unfortunately, to do more research, researchers need greater numbers and better quality specimens. For that to happen, more birds would have to die. For now, researchers can only keep testing what they have and hope that it was some freak event that won't come back. And if it does come back this summer, they can only persist in studying the disease and help the dying birds have a comfortable end. In the end, we need more research and better quality data to be up to date on this new emerging disease. And you can help by keeping an eye out and possibly preventing the the disease by cleaning your bird feeders and baths regularly, and by reporting if you see any signs of the illness to your local wildlife officers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. There's not a lot of published research about emerging diseases, but I did my best to compile a good set of articles about this disease specifically, and I will link those sources in the description of this episode. I hope you learned a little bit about this mystery, and I hope it inspires you to keep a lookout for more news about it and for signs in your own backyard. If you want more wildlife content, or if you just want to say hello, please follow my Instagram, Lily's Field Journal. That's L-I-L-Y-S-F-I-E-L-D-J-O-U-R-N-A-L, or comment in the box below this episode in Spotify. My next episode will be released on time this coming Sunday. Until then.